Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and macabre murders from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the Dells that we dealt. And it's episode 120. <laughs> 120 episodes. 120. You're flabbergasted. Again. Am I? Yes. Yes. Um, is that, yeah, I didn't realise we were quite... I, oh, it's good, because I've been ignoring numbers for so long. But <laughs> so now it's like, oh, that's a big number. Back in the year of the roaring 20s. Absolutely. So oh, I'll forget about oh. numbers now for the next 10, 20 episodes. Until a big And we'll get to 140 and go, oh, it's 140. <laughs> oh, are we good? Good. It's good that you're keeping track. Yeah. Always on top of things. You know me. Why are you sitting with your hands on your I don't know. Like... I just thought I'm very like... <laughs> like Robin Hood and his merry men. <laughs> I am wearing tights. Well, under the table. I don't know what he's wearing, to be honest. I don't like to ask when I come in. How are you, Nick? Am I? Got a drink. Gonna hear a story. Gonna have another drink. Gonna go to sleep. Sounds like a perfect evening. Sounds great, doesn't it? Can we do this in rocking chairs? Well, we we should get some rocking chairs. Although I think that'd be difficult with the microphone, wouldn't it? Hello over there. No, I'm over here. No, no, I'm over here again. Well, with our new portable microphones that we did test out on a recent Patreon episode, but you have to build a magical veranda for those. That's fine. We can't have rocking chairs just in the house. That's sad. (laughs) And I can knit. How much are you going to be doing on this episode? (laughs) Is it just knitting hour with Nick and Sinead? Yeah, well, no, I think listening to some stories, having a nice (laughs) drink in my rocking chair, doing some knitting. Bloody awesome. Sounds like an ASMR heaven. Knitting sound, rocking chair, crackling fire, and a story about murder. And a story. What's not to love? All right, well, that's uh, next week. That's next week, okay. We'll work on that. You whittle some uh, rocking chairs. You whittle some rocking chairs. Yes, lovely. Any poisonings this week? Uh... Uh, no. 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 Be no, sure. No. no, one always has to consider this question. Mm. It's a serious question. Needs a serious consideration, I feel. Something blase about poisonings. No. I thought it had been poisoned at one point, but Did I just you? made a very healthy doll. And that's, <laughs> it's, it's good stuff for your stomach and your bacteria and everything like that. And then you just eat the doll and go, oh, God, this is painful. There's so many vegetables. Okay. Poisoned by vegetables. Well, speaking of being poisoned by vegetables <laughs> and whittling things to make rocking chairs, I think it is high time for us to thank our Patreon subscribers. Absolutely. They're notorious whittlers, the lot of them. <laughs> um, so thank you very much to Veronica Zora. And to Madison Zachman. They are all marvellous. Let us know what you're whittling this week. Very, very sexy Patreon subscribers. Very exotic names this week. We like it. We like it. We approve. Veronica. Is that an exotic name? I think it is. Madison. Yes. Exotic. Okay. Yes. No, just clarifying. I need to get my names in exotic or non-exotic columns. Bloody hell. All right, they're just nice names. Well, there we go. Say nice. <laughs> no, exotic is better. Never say nice when a better word is available. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. You, you show me. I have thrown down the gauntlet of my yeah. wit. Mm. I'll leave it right there. It's been marvellous over on Patreon this week. We've also had some upgrades to our lovely Cyanide Connoisseurs tier. And those people were treated to our brand new series, The Case Files of PC Morris. A brand new series of episodes from me and Nick where we look at some of the what the fuck stories from news old and new. The bizarre, <laughs> the weird, the spooky, the disturbing. The disturbing. And they're just like, I don't know what's going on there. Why? You're yes. A, why, why are you silly man? There were things that we brought to the table. Where we like, this should never have been discussed. I, what's <laughs> All happened? of those things should have been discussed. <laughs> there was nothing there that should not have been discussed at great length. It should have been discussed by the people who it, they, they befell. We said like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do this to a chicken that sort of thing so if you are interested in knowing what the hell we're talking about head over to patreon send us messages if you would like to know more about that platform it is but five dollars a month or fifteen dollars a month for the higher tier and it is completely flexible so you can join and then depart and come back whenever you wish well nick are you ready 
Yes, I think I think I am. To drink cocktails. Clanky, 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 clank. Oh, I see you way ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we, you're drinking the cocktail. Are we already talking about poison? No. I threw you there, didn't I? Yes, I thought this is not what normally is said. Or, <laughs> or, are you already drinking poison and we should be talking about cocktails? Oh, now, you, now you've confused me. Now I don't know what day it is or what's going on or what my name is. Where am I? Why? Would, would you like to go with the first one? Uh, yeah, okay. I trust you, I Trust think. me. Shall we drink cocktails and talk about poison? Okay. Yay! The bewilderment and wonder that's going to be in your eyes and ears when you hear this week's story. But let's go with the first one. Hooray, hooray, hooray. It is my story this week, but we can't, we can't, we can't possibly have a story without a cocktail in hand. As you know, dear listeners, every week we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell. And it will flavour our cocktail of the week. And this week's secret ingredient, Nick, is... Jazz! Jazz! Ha! Jazz. Everyone loves a bit of jazz. Jazz hands. Jazz hands. Jazz hands. Jazz, 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 jazz mags. Why did that come to my head? What's what's a jazz mag? Do you not know what a jazz mag is? I'm not, no. It's a porn mag. It's called a jazz mag. Yeah, right, back, not... way back in the day, a jazz mag. Yes, I'm sorry I went to jazz mag immediately rather than jazz record or yeah, jazz yeah, you were... a size. <laughs> jazz a size, that was a thing. <laughs> that was a thing. I've got to stop saying jazz things. Stop me, Nick, stop me. <laughs> that has sent everyone on social media into a frenzy because there's been, I don't think there's been really any commentary about the cocktail. They all are just trying to guess the episode. Uh... They have feelings and thoughts with the mention of jazz and murder together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't reveal anything, <laughs> obviously, except to all the people when this goes out and they look at the title of this episode. But right now, Nick, you don't know what I'm going to say. Know. No, I have no idea. No, no, no. But jazz is your ingredient. Now, mm. a little little touch of music, maybe, or the inspiration from the jazz age? Well, so you, you say jazz. I was thinking... I, I did. Many what, times, I, I think we established. No, when, when, you, when you, you text me and you go, Indians jazz, okay, grand. And when I think of jazz, I think New Orleans. In my, no, I do. In my brain, it is, it's, they are inextricably linked. This is very fair. So that's the sort of places I think. And now there are probably many other people going, no, no, jazz is not from New Orleans. It's from somewhere else. And you can have discussions where I'm not. That's fine. Um, <laughs> the, those people don't seem like they're going to have a good discussion. Well, you... It's from somewhere else and I want no more follow-up questions. <laughs> but no, I think New Orleans. So I think all New Orleans. I can make a cocktail out of New Orleans. Ooh. I thought we could just have a bucket of Southern Comfort. That'd be quite interesting. Uh, okay. But I decided against that. Right. Because I've done that. It does not end well. Um, <laughs> so we are going for a Sazerac. A Sazerac. A classic New Orleans. Some say the original American cocktail. Oh, an original, a classic. It is always an absolute classic. Some say the very first American cocktail Okay, is a Sazerac. I mentioned it before on the podcast, and I had to scroll through the feed going, have I done this before? Haven't done this before. Are you absolutely sure? If, if you have done this before, I've completely forgotten about it, and it's not on Instagram anymore. So, <laughs> You've deleted it, so, so no, no evidence I'm of this. I'm really, really sure we haven't. Wow, now that is a classic, and I think I've had it a while ago. Now, I'm not going to nitpick this week, Nick. Mm-hmm. But uh, jazz, and then you went jazz. Jazz is from this place. I'm going to make a thing based entirely on this place. Yeah. There's no jazz based, like, yeah, it could have been, but I really <laughs> wanted to make a Sazerac. <laughs> you did not even research it. Nope. Didn't even I just bother. Went, oh, New Orleans, I'm making Sazerac. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, someone has already mentioned it on social well, media. There we go. See, great minds think alike. I'm missing a trick now. There could have been some musical theatre cocktails out there. <gasps> and that would have been interesting. All that jazz. All that jazz. So it could have been many. A jazz Chicago cocktail. Face. Yeah, the the classic jazz face cocktail. That <laughs> jazz in your face. Sorry. I've got so many of these. I'm sure you have. You keep them. Pages and pages, pages. and pages. Pages, Nick. <laughs> it's like the scene in The Shining. That's all it is. Jazz, 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 jazz. <laughs> all work and no jizz make jazz. What? <laughs> 
Yeah, well, enjoy your cocktail. <laughs> Marvellous. A Sazerac for the jazz era. I think it is time for us to jazz hands our way into the poisonous cabinet kitchen and shake up stool. So we'll see you in a minute. We'll see you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. Oh, Nick, I have two drinks in front of me. What's going on, you? Mm. So, Sazerac, we Cesarec. have a lovely tumbler full of a browny, orangey, goodnessy drinky. <laughs> and I, I, do, I don't remember what's in a Sazerac. Sazerac. I keep saying Sazerac, don't I? Yes, but don't. I, I shan't, I shan't. <laughs> a Sazerac. I don't quite remember what's in a Sazerac, but I've heard good things because you keep yelling about it. But also got a glass next to it that is of some sort of cleary, cloudy, d- liquidy, and this could go very wrong. <laughs> it's not my story, it's fine. <laughs> Oh, great. You just load it up on my story. <laughs> Are these traditionally served together? Well-ish. I'm, I'm not sure if it is a traditional to have the, the wee on the side. The wee bit on the side. But I <laughs> the think wee it's on the side? The wee on the side. <laughs> Your wee on the side of yeah, the drink? Yeah, the wee on the side, yeah. Mm. That's what that is. The little drink. Yep. Okay. I'm not sure if it's a traditional or not. Or if it's just become one of those things that people do because you do. Okay. So I thought we'll do it. Sazerac and a yep. chaser of some yeah, kind. Yeah, pretty much. So how do we do this? Well, so, whichever way you fancy, really. I'll go with a bit of the Sazerac, knock back the chaser. Knock, knock back well, the chaser. Well, it's up, it's up to you. Oh, Entirely Jesus Christ. To, I don't think there's a particularly distinguished drinking process. Okay, well, let's let's it. start with the Sazerac, start which is a classic. One. Okay, it's beautiful colour, golden, mm. gold amber. Amber, I'm yeah. going to go with amber. Amber. It smells good. It tastes good. <laughs> You'd step over in your own mother to get one. Okay, <laughs> let's dive in. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Oh, my God, that's good. <laughs> Oh, oh, things are happening in my mouth. Good things. Good things, I'm glad. Good things. That's such a good cocktail. And I can't remember what's in a Sazerac, but it tastes of jazz. You <laughs> well, yours, s- yours is bigger than mine. What's going on there? Because you love me more? Uh, yeah, no, well, I fucked that one up, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, it's my story. Why are you loading me up with I, did, I didn't mean to. <laughs> Very spirit forward. Very spirit forward. Very spirit forward. But you can imagine being in a smoky jazz bar, mm. like, yeah, knocking back a few of those, listening to some tunes, clicking your fingers, <laughs> dancing badly. Dancing very badly. Yeah. Are you going to talk me through it, or do we need to have the wee one? Oh, I'm going to have the wee one. All right, Do we? what do we do with this? Do we knock it back, or do we... Oh, Jesus, Nick's going for it. He's gone for it. He's gone for it. Do you regret that? No. No? I'm going to do half of it because it's quite a hefty glass. All right. I'm going to take a big old gulp. Wish me luck. Oh, that's not as bad as I thought it would be. No. It's fucking absinthe, isn't it? Is it absinthe? It is a bit of absinthe. It's absinthe. But nicely watered down. So, yes, it is indeed watered down. Yes, but it's starting to work. <laughs> I mean, just as I like my absinthe. Just nice and really, really chilled. Ooh, um, it is nice. That's much nicer than, than we've had before. We haven't. I don't think we've ever had a, an absinthe... With the water, the way it's that has been, yeah, be that has been. Well, I mean, there's a story about why you have that on the side as well. Right, talk us through the drinks, okay. Nick. So, Sazerac, classic. There are a couple of different theories about what should be in a Sazerac. I have done half rye, half bourbon. Ooh, nice. In my one. So some people say it has to be 100% rye, the absolute purists out there. The story goes that originally it was made with cognac. Oh. Originally, it was made with cognac. Obviously, New Orleans being sort of a French French colony, cognac was there. But then there was some infestation in the the fields of France and they they weren't able to make the produced amount of cognac as they had done previously. It was an infestation of English people taking it. (laughs) I mean, we're talking back in like, the 1800s time at this point. Yeah, that there yeah, was, yeah. there was sort of, yeah, there was, there wasn't enough cognac to be shipped out to the colonies. Mm. So the locals started making it with rye. 
Nice. Which was more prevalent, and that's what they had to hand. So that's the story. Some people think that's slightly apocryphal and just a jolly story. So we're not, no one's actually entirely sure. But I have gone with a bourbon rye mix on this one. Okay. So you have, yeah, you have your bourbon and rye. You have your Creole bitters. Ooh, so nice. Peychaud's is the, the classic one. You have a ton of that, like three or four dashes of that. Throw that in there. You have some Angostura as well to get some aromatics going on. There. And you have a drop of sugar. And that's that's the basics of a Sazerac, really. And that's it? That That's it. That's, so that's all that's in there. Ooh. The the absinthe that comes in, while you're preparing your ingredients in your mixing glass or whatever, okay. in your tumbler, you fill that with ice. You put a bit of absinthe in there with water. And you have that absinthe rinse inside your tumbler yes. and then they say well rather than just bin some fancy absinthe yeah so that's why you have the the chilled water and absinthe that was used to rinse your tumbler oh. in a little shot glass on the side so that's where that's come from i like it it's practical yeah absolutely practical not wasteful no um because you often do an absinthe rinse and even though you only use a tiny amount you just it ends up going down the drain yeah yeah leave that to do its thing while you're making your other bits to infuse to infuse yeah, um, really. and then just put that inside the critical thing you have with a Sazerac is the dilution. Mm. On there, too much or too little water can bugger it up. So you don't shake it because you have too much water. If you shake it, you get too much dilution. People don't say you say you don't stir it either. So this one is thrown. This okay. is a whole whole new technique that I've that we've not we've not used. One hundred and twenty <laughs> episodes, people. Nick is throwing shit so around. So we're the throwing kitchen. shit around. So thrown. We've we've mentioned it. I remember you saying thrown, but we've never done it. So basically, it is pouring from one to the other with ice. The Boston tins. With, I use the Boston tins, so you're just basically filling one with, with your ice and your ingredients. You pour it into the other, and you pour it back. Do that a few times, and then you get rid of the ice. And that's, in theory, is the perfect level of dilution I mean, it's you're beautiful. going to get. And then you strain it out into your tumbler. No ice or anything, just in there as it is in your chilled glass. And it is really, really good. <laughs> yeah, it is really good. Delicious. Again, attesting to less is more people with your drinks. The bitters, we need to do a whole video and episode yes. on bitters. We have to do a talk on bitters because people think, oh, it's a little accoutrement and like, like put it in and you don't need it like a slice of lime or a wedge of lemon. No, no, this makes all the difference. Like Definitely. a good old fashioned would be nothing well, this, without its bitters. Yeah, exactly. This is basically an old fashioned with Creole bitters. Yeah. Rather than, yeah, so they're very, very similar cocktails. Mm. Um, just slightly different bitters used. And also, with an old fashioned, you would tend to use either brown sugar rather than a, a cane yeah. sugar. So and you, you might get a slightly more with... molasses-y sort of nuss yeah. Yeah, with an old fashioned that you do with this one. Yeah, both lovely cocktails. This is really good. Oh, I'm so happy. We've also got some absinthe, so we're going to go mad. <laughs> it's not too much absinthe. That's a good thing. It's diluted, but still, I feel it's starting to work. Excellent. I feel the change coming upon me. <laughs> a wonderful classic cocktail for a very classic story. So, so, Nick, with our Sazeracs and our absinthe firmly in hand, should we, should we take a stroll? Uh, why not? Should we take a little stroll down the street? Would love to. To Storyville? To Storyville. Well, let's bypass Storyville. Let's just get straight to the heart of the action because we are going to a certain American city, Nick. A <laughs> okay. certain American okay. city. You might like it. And on this hot, hot night, there is a party going on. I like a party. Party going on in every house across the city. Oh, a fancy party. Well, maybe not every house, but a lot of houses. A lot, many of them. Nearly every building is packed full of people, all there to listen and dance along to some hot, hot jazz. Nice. Jazz city is jumping. If people can't fit into the clubs and dance halls, which are packed to the rafters, they hurry to one of the 
literally hundreds of private homes that have their front doors flung wide open so the streets are flooded with the sound of amateur and professional musicians all playing the latest and the old-fashioned jazz standards. This is an incredible sight to behold, an incredible experience to be in the presence of. And while people are dancing and singing and drinking and drinking and drinking, (laughs) very few of them are smiling. Oh, Because while the biggest party in the history of this area is going on, no one really seems to be terribly in the party spirit. If anything, they seem a bit nervous, frightened, eyes always on the front door. It's not good for a party. Hearts racing to the sound of the beat. This giant citywide party is not for Nick's birthday, and people have not come out onto the streets to protest at his birth through the medium of dance. (laughs) Harsh. No, Nick, of course this party is taking place on the 19th of March, 1919. In New Orleans. (laughs) And the city is dancing to the beat set by one man. The Axeman. (laughs) Big shock. Big shock there. It's the Axeman (laughs) of New Orleans, Nick. A huge unsolved mystery and we are going to tackle it today. Now, I am going to be reading it in my normal accent. I'm probably glad for that one. I was about to say I have practiced the New Orleans accent as well well for key bits. Well, if you practiced, then all to the better. No, 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 no. I will maybe do the accent of parts, but generally you're going to have my dulcet tones telling you the story of the Axemen of New Orleans. A much requested story, a much beloved story, so we hope you do it justice. Continuing as well in our line of axe related well, uh, yes, murders. Yes, absolutely. We've had a run of them recently. We have. And they. some people would say they're all linked. This is very true. Yes. And people would surmise going, ah, oh, someone was killed by an axe there. And someone was killed by there an axe there. There was only one axe in America at the time. So <laughs> so it must have been the same person. It was on a timeshare. <laughs> the Axeman is said to be responsible for the deaths of between six and eight people at least. Between 1918 and 1919 is the uh, generally considered canon mm-hmm. of death in the oh, great I state. Oh, a canon of death. It would just be a canon in just your be a hands. canon, yeah, Absolutely. I mean, your, your kind of dream of standing on top of a building like in Mary Poppins yeah. and being the admiral firing a cannon has taken a dark twist. Yeah. I'll have that cannon, and then I'll have the cannon of death. <laughs> when does the cannon of death come oh, out? Only when people really annoy me. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just my, ty- my telling time sort of cannon. When people try and use Jack Daniels in a Sazerac. <laughs> I shall unveil the cannon of death. I'm wondering what this cannon of death is stoked with. Oh, the souls of the damned. <laughs> It's like the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, fire flaming skulls at people. <laughs> I mean, that sounds great. Like, yeah, absolutely. This sounds a lot less subtle but more fabulous than the Axeman <laughs> did. So it's going to be disappointing from here on well, in. He didn't have a bloody cannon, did he? No. no. For all we know, him. for all we know. <laughs> I've got a cannon that fires axes. No. <laughs> <laughs> the story of the Axeman of New Orleans is not for the faint-hearted. There is a lot of brutality in this and it's pretty relentless, but it's not as, as depressing as some other stories we've covered, so it's well worth a dive into. People have pondered for decades about whether the crimes laying at the Axeman's door were, in fact, the work of one single psychotic person, or were they part of a much larger axe-related crime spree across America, or were they all random attacks? Were they copycat killings? Were they something orchestrated against a particular community, or were they truly the handiwork of the devil himself? No, 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 they weren't. I'm going to put my neck out of the limb that one, that one. <laughs> okay, probably not. <laughs> You're the kind of guy at that party, the jazz party, you go, you know what? It's all bollocks. It's all no. bollocks. Oh, look, it's an axe in my head. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start at the beginning because that's where the story starts. Good, good place. The Axeman 
It's canon, as I said, the killing canon. The canon of death technically begins in May 1918. In the years preceding this crime, we have indeed encountered the bizarre Villisca axe murders where all the members of the white Methodist Moore family were slaughtered with an axe at home in 1912. We covered it last week. We have run afoul of Clementine Barnabet, the supposed killer of multiple African-American families along Southern Pacific Railroad between 1911 and 1912, an axe being the weapon of choice but did you know who terrorized new orleans back in 1910 nick no a killer known as the cleaver the cleaver i've not come across the cleaver oh well come with me now okay and i should tell you the tale because this is where many people believe the axeman story truly begins not at the beginning but before the beginning before the beginning in the prequel this yes it's the prequel (laughs) series it'll be disappointing (laughs) it's august 1910 And Harriet Crutty awoke to see a shadowy man looming over her bed, wielding a bloodied cleaver. Mm -hmm. He had struck her sleeping husband, August, in the head and chest with the blade. A terrified Harriet gave him whatever money she had stashed by the bed. She had some notes under her pillow. And she could see that the man was broad-shouldered, average height, white, wore workman's clothes and a derby hat. The assailant took the money and walked off into the night, taking their minor bird in its cage with him. (laughs) Okay. I want your cash and I like your pets too. (laughs) (laughs) He would drop his cleaver in the backyard, go off into the night, but release the bird a few streets away. Animal-friendly cleaver man. This may be the only time that the so-called axe man ever took anything from one of his victims' houses. August Crutti, an Italian-American grocer, survived his injuries. But a month later, Concetta and Joseph Rizzetto, also Italians, were attacked in their home in the night. Again, struck on the face and neck with a cleaver by a shadowy figure. This time, the man indeed took nothing from the home. Once he had finished his attack, the couple miraculously survived. Fears begin to bubble amongst the Italian-American community. This is an area, New Orleans, that is now heavily populated by Italian Mm. immigrants. They are building businesses for themselves. This is an area, again, where you're being Italian. You're not white American. You're not black, but you're also coming over and taking jobs and also building up businesses. Mm. The Italians, when they came over to New Orleans, started wonderful lines of grocery shops. They were actually quite affluent very, very soon. These people seem to be targeted at this point. So fears began to bubble that the Italian-American community was being targeted. There was already a lot of tension around this time towards Italians in the area. More foreigners coming to town. It doesn't take a lot to stir up animosity against them. And then in June 1911, Joseph Davy, another Italian grocer, was attacked in his home and his wife was badly injured at the same time. And this time, Joseph succumbed to his injuries, this fatal cleaver attack, and he died in hospital. Now, each time it appears that the attacker had crept in almost silently to the home, the police would find railway pins on site, or they also surmised that the assailant used a chisel to open doors windows remove panels from the doors and then slip through silently into the home taking their time apart from the first time that these crimes are reported the assailant left without taking anything Mm. so they can't say that burglary is the cause yes you got into other places you've got no pets to steal damn you (laughs) that's what i'm after i'm after your pets the minor bird is interesting (laughs) we should also point out a minor bird can talk this is true 
and also is quite articulate. You're carrying me away. I'm going to describe him as I'm being carried away. He's tall. As oh my God, you fly off. Thank you. Thank you so much. Goodbye. So yes, after that, no pets were taken. Nothing was taken. He learned his lesson with the minor bird. Mm. But just as suddenly as the Cleaver's crimes had started and were being reported in the local press, they stopped Ooh. in 1911. The violent attacks, all using the same MO, ceased and the quiet descended over the city. While people were starting to get frightened, the police were investigating. Just as suddenly, it all went away and everyone eventually just got back to their daily business. There is a reported incident in 1917 where the family of Epifanino, and Andalina were attacked at home by a man carrying a hatchet and a gun, oh. reportedly. The father and his two sons were hit over the head. They didn't die, they survived, but they were knocked unconscious. The fact that it was an Italian grocer's family did spark the interest of the authorities and also the way the assailant had silently entered the building and not taken anything after he'd left. So people started to think, is this maybe the mm. same person? Is he just a man who hates vegetables? Obviously, it just has a real thing against grocers. Yeah, you absolutely. won't make me eat my peas. Exactly. <laughs> so, someone who was forced to eat turnips as a child or something. And now is just now, going to the source. Yes, exactly. <laughs> On days off of killing grocers, he's just pounding the earth. <laughs> you bastards, why? But for most people, it seemed that the cleaver had retired in 1911. But these little spade of crimes, you look up the cleaver as a serial killer... You don't see a lot, actually. There's not mm. a lot on the internet. You have to b dig a bit no. deep to go link to the Axeman. Perhaps the Cleaver had been arrested. Perhaps he had just taken a break. Perhaps he'd met his match out on the road. Perhaps he'd been drafted. Very true. Because we are entering into the First World War. But it wouldn't be until 1918 that the real horror would, apparently, begin for New Orleans. And it started with the Maggio family. The Maggio family were, again, successful Italian grocers this is a theme that runs through it mm. now there are some discrepancies which i'll point out as we go along but successful grocers they also have a barber shop the household is made up of three brothers andre jacob joseph and joseph's wife catherine andre who had just received his draft papers and had been drinking heavily heavily all night well one would i feel if you've received your draft papers yeah. you're gonna have a drink or two he's heading for the draft 1918 i mean he has no idea the war's about to end we'd yeah. like to tell him but <laughs> no staggers back to the family home passes out awakes in a bit of a stupor around about 4 a.m between 4 and 4 30 a.m hearing loud groans coming from his brother and sister-in-law's room and goes maybe i should leave that i'll leave, leave them to it but no they sound a bit unusual a bit unusual so in his stupor he gets up he wakes his brother jacob and the brothers enter Joseph's bedroom and they're faced with a horror story Ooh. Catherine is lying on the ground in a pool of blood. Her throat has been cut so deeply that she's almost decapitated. Blech. Joseph is lying on the bed. His throat has also been cut, but he has also had his head bashed. But he's still alive. Mm. Barely. Not for much longer, I imagine. Not for much longer. Mm. His brothers call the authorities. They call an ambulance. But Joseph dies of his injuries not long afterwards. The police, when they attend the scene, they find the murder weapons in the house. The family's own axe apparently has been used to batter Joseph's mm. head in and it is left lying in their bathtub. Also, a straight razor was used to slit the throats. A straight razor that belonged to Andre. Well, yeah, they're, they're going to be something that everyone has though, don't they? All chaps are going to have a, straight, a razor in the bathroom. Found in the backyard. So, it's dumped in the backyard. Yeah. He's a barber. He has taken this particular straight razor home, allegedly from the shop. He had said a couple of days earlier he needed it in the house. 
somehow the killer has found it and used it as the murder weapon. The killer has also apparently changed his clothing before leaving the scene. Again, has entered silently, chiseling away at the back door, has left bloody rags on the scene, has walked away, no trace, no mm. sign of him. A killer is on the loose, Nick. Mm. Well, the police don't immediately think so. Okay, nope. this, is, this is suicide, I feel. No, they feel that they don't need to look too far. They just need to look within the Maggio family. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Now, it's important to point out this police force is not the same police force that worked on the Cleaver killings. Nope. There have been changes in authority. They come in, having not lived through the previous investigations, and they point the figure immediately at Andre. Mm -hmm. And they say, it's your razor. It's got to be a quite recurring theme of slight racism. The police directing at the Italian community going, this is a vendetta, isn't it? They will throw the word vendetta around. And they will say, <laughs> it sounds fancier. I read it in stories. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, you know, while organised crime hasn't really taken a massive hold of New Orleans at this time, it is known about and they mm. just go, oh, you Italians, you have fights between you. It's this kind of theory. Andre is arrested and he said, yeah, you've had the razor. Clearly, these people have been attacked two hours ago. Two hours ago, they've been lying there. Your brother's been fighting for life. He's like, I was drunk. Mm. I was out of my mind, pissed. Drunk I and asleep. We now know that the Axeman is more of a master of stealth, if nothing else. <laughs> But Andre was so blind drunk, he couldn't have possibly heard what was going on in the next room. Andre is subjected to brutal interrogation. The police are determined to make him confess. And this is over several days. They are trying to make out vendetta against your brother. That will be nice and tidy. Could you please admit to it? Giving him confessions to sign, but Andre holds firm. Good. In the end, the police have to let him go. What happened here? Well, never mind. <laughs> we tried, we failed. We tried, on. we failed. Move on. <laughs> the lesson is never try. <laughs> on the 27th of June, another grocer in the city has a visit from the Axeman. <laughs> now, the Axeman doesn't have a name at this point. Okay. He's just an assailant just who's man. wandering around taking access. This time, it was a Polish immigrant called Louis Bessemer. Now, Louis was happily tucked up in bed at the back of his store with his mistress, Harriet Lowe. It was in the middle of the night... The Axeman creeps in and bashes Louis in the head with the blade, cracking his skull. Mm. Harriet was also struck in the head and the face. Her injuries are less severe, but they will require attention for months after this attack. The pair are found by the grocery's delivery driver the next morning oh, who God. turns up going, I'm here for some bread. Oh, my God. <laughs> Pool of blood. They find the axe again in the bathroom. No money or items have been stolen from the house. Why has he targeted these people? Vegetables. Vegetables. Vegetables are the culprit. Yeah. The fascinating thing about each of these attacks, almost all of them, is the bizarre backstories they seem to conjure up amongst <laughs> the victims. Harriet Lowe, the mistress. Mm. At the time, people think she's his wife. She's okay. not said that she's not Mrs. Bessemer. She's like, yeah, I'm totally his wife. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> absolutely fine. She gives a very slurred description of her attacker. She's in hospital under a lot of pain medication, <laughs> undergoing a lot of treatment for yeah. her shattered skull. At one point, she says she believes it was a mixed race man who was responsible for the attack. She uses a word at the time that is not does not fly now, and I'm not <laughs> going to use it. The police decide not to pursue this line of inquiry because they do conclude that she's on a lot of pain medication. They do arrest a black man who worked for the grocers okay. called Louis Obicon for no real reason. No, seems. no. 
that he just was there and he arrived late one day and they'd had some words and they were like, the black man must have done it. Absolutely. So it's, it's not a great system <laughs> that's going on right I, now. I think system is kind way of putting it. <laughs> Indeed. There's a savage murderer on the loose. They're going to mm. be clutching at straws. But then Harriet's stories keep coming, still suffering from her injury. She's now turned on her lover, Louis, claiming that he is a German spy. Oh, God, that leaped. Oh, my God, yes. Now, the police allegedly find letters in Louis's apartment that are written in German and Russian and all sorts of other languages that oh. no grocer from Poland should have. <laughs> Maybe they're just written in Polish and they couldn't work it well, out. Well, no, he would have spoken Russian at the very least. German probably more than likely. <laughs> exactly. I think maybe they didn't quite understand that. But Harriet's going, he's a German spy. He's a German spy. She courts the media who still come and ask her for stories constantly until Louis's real wife turns up. Oh, God. <laughs> Apparently she's just been on holiday in Cincinnati. She comes back going, what the fuck has gone on here? <laughs> nice. Uh, she's very confused. Yeah. Harriet tragically would eventually die from her injury. Oh. She had so many surgeries that were needed to help her that one of them would eventually, she wouldn't survive one. But <laughs> not before with her dying breaths, maybe a few hours beforehand, she implicated Louis himself. Right. Decided to say Louis was the one who did it. He did it, he did it all to himself. He caved his own face in. Yeah. And then he attacked her. Happens all the time. Yep. Louis was arrested. Oh, for fuck's sake. Served nine months in jail before being acquitted. Bloody foreigners. You're always I, axing themselves in the face. Still looking through that going, what? <laughs> what, did, what happened there? Yeah. Was, well, I, I don't know. But that was what she said. Perhaps Apparently that not happened. not the best policing going on there. Now, maybe that is hyperbole because there's some of the stories that are, you know, presented as fact in a lot of articles about the Axeman that have been built on mm. some of the early journalists covering what they perceive to be the <laughs> truth that have been placed in the equivalent of tabloid newspapers at the yeah. time. But yes, Louis was responsible and he cleaved himself in the face. These first two murders have thrown curveballs into the investigations because you could say, from the police's perspective, oh, well, you know, it's the the Italian family committed the own mm. murder. You know, they, they did it to themselves. And this guy, well, okay, the, the mistress is saying all sorts of shit. This is weird. The finger of blame is being pointed to the people closest to the yeah. families rather than further afield. But in August 1918, the grim reality of a possible serial killer becomes real i'm going to gloss over an attack on the 5th of august to be true i guess to a point to the canon where a mystery assailant attacked a pregnant woman in her home mm. now this is included in a lot of reports the mo does not seem to fit quite well a woman was attacked by a man he hit her on the head with a lamp oh that's not quite the same though is it he took money from the home there was no signs of a break-in because he climbed in through a window or an open door or something. Mm. She survived. But still, it's enough for investigators, weirdly, to start going, maybe we should be piecing these things together and actually start going, okay, there's well, a serial killer. Well, good job it did that, I suppose, yes. The real, really important things happen five days later on the 10th of August, 1918. Cousins Pauline and Mary Burno were sleeping in their uncle's house when they awoke to hear a fracas next door from Uncle Joe Romano's room. Pauline gets up. Her fear wakes up her sister as well. Pauline sees a large man wearing a hat and dark clothes flit past their door and out of the building. And when they go into their uncle's room, she sees him slumped on a chair, blood pouring from his head from two deep wounds. 
Two hours later, despite medical intervention, Joe has died from his injuries. Pauline would say of the man that she saw, he must have been very light on his feet, maybe wearing <laughs> rubber soles. Okay. Because he made no sound. Made no sound. The police found the house ransacked, yet nothing is missing. A back door panel has been quietly chiselled out of its setting, and a bloody axe lies in the backyard. By now, the news of the Romano murder has broken, and chaos ensues across <laughs> the city. Yeah. All of the murders have been reported, but even if the police are slow on the uptake, the public and the press are now screaming mm. about a serial killer being Good. on the the loose the police may be just sitting there with a giant you know kind of kids puzzles <laughs> very clumsily slotting places into place whereas everyone outside is going oh my Come god on. <laughs> we are not safe on our homes and the papers now give the lurking beast his infamous moniker Ooh, the axe man it's a good name it is good it's a good name sometimes we, we yell at people for being too on the money yeah no that works though the axe man yeah, well, that works do you think you would have been judgmental at the time um Probably. I mean, would you have been going, he should be called Swipey Swingy Death? <laughs> Canon of Death? I probably wouldn't have been saying that one, I have to say. Well, I've... no one would have listened. <laughs> <laughs> Residents across the city are terrified, and we can't underestimate how horrific this is for the people of New Orleans. They are just confronted with the fact going, well, there's a man who's going to come into your house, cleave you to death, oh. or leave you with life-threatening injuries, and we don't know who he is, and there's no way we can stop him. So, surprisingly enough, gun purchases go up about 40%. <laughs> Everyone is arming themselves with guns, whatever they can find. You yeah. know, just banister legs, chickens. Cannons. Cannons, cannons are being wheeled in skulls. They're just lighting those on lighter fluid. They, everyone is taking shifts now to guard their family at night. No one is going to sleep alone. They have to stay up. They have to guard them. Police are also getting reports daily of shadowy men lurking in gardens. Some genuine cases where the police come to investigate saying a man with an axe has been seen running around trying to climb over my fence, scratching at doors. Cometh the crimes, cometh the opportunists as well. Very true. Sure enough, petty thieves and burglars are breaking into people's houses, ransacking them, absolutely clearing them out. Not in the MO of the axe man, but leaving axes at the crime scene. Yeah, but when you think if that'd be a more dangerous time to do it, because people are on on the lookout, on the alert, and have got a gun pointed at that door and will fire fucking anything that moves. Mm. So it must be a very dangerous time to go, oh, I'm going to go and rob these places now. It seems to work. It's a big oh, city. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Not everyone's going to buy into it. Anyone who is thinking, oh my God, this guy is doing it they can commit any rich crime rich people will have may have left or something mm. they've, they've gone elsewhere and just left houses empty and things so whatever you do just mm. stock up on axes commit any crime you want and then just leave an axe at the crime yeah. scene and people go oh it must be the, oh it must be him. the axe man because the the axe is very notably left in the bath or outside in the front Good yard slashy joe so yeah even if you're like you know just stealing their pens like, <laughs> uh, here's an axe stealing office supplies here's an axe <laughs> so this obviously makes it a lot harder for the police to mm. truly investigate what's going on so many false reports so much crime surging and so many people pointing guns at everyone else in the street <laughs> they have little to no chance of finding the real killer investigations continue and a retired Italian detective at this time named John D'Antanio examining the case in depth he's retired concluded the axe man was not only the same person who carried out the cleaver attacks mm. 
But he also concluded that he must have a personality disorder that he likened to Jekyll and Hyde. Okay, why Why did he assume that's way? That he concluded that the Axeman must have been a law-abiding citizen at one moment and then was just overcome with the desire to kill the next. The fact that no one could find a trace of him, that there were no witness reports, that there's no one sitting in a bar covered in blood mm. or letting something slip, this police officer is concluding he's got to be a split personality he's going to be completely normal at one minute and the other minute he's a all it takes is one snap and he's a killer and then he goes back okay. which is interesting mm, maybe okay which is interesting it's convenient yeah it's very convenient very, very convenient, convenient. but too convenient but as we said such little evidence all the police can do is wait for him to strike next but then the summer of 1918 ends with nothing happening oh how dull very dull. The killer has gone quiet. New Orleans is gripped by a Spanish flu epidemic, or pandemic, as we now know, in October 1918. And in November 1918, there is much rejoicing. The war has ended. Way. So the Axeman falls out of the news. Yeah. There's not any reporting about it. The investigations continue, but no one's in a frenzy as they were. The beast seems to have left them alone. Until... Until... I knew there was a but coming. The 10th of March, 1919. Across the Mississippi, in nearby Gretna. Now, this is still in the metropolitan area <laughs> of New Orleans, but it's outside the jurisdiction. The great state of Louisiana. And on this night, screams are ringing out from the home of the Cortimiglia family. A neighbour has rushed to the house to find the mother, Rosie, at the doorway, covered in blood, screaming and clutching her two-year-old daughter oh, in God. her arms. The child is not alive. Yeah. The child has been bashed in the back of the head once, killed instantly. The mother who was sleeping with her child has also been bashed in the head, survived, mm. obviously. She's up and about walking. Her husband, Charles, is lying on the ground bleeding, having also suffered a head injury. Oh, mm. The parents have both got skull fractures. So one is on the ground. One You can walk around with a skull fracture. Yeah. It ain't pretty. Delivered by an assailant who had chiseled a panel out from the back door yeah. and had left a bloody axe on their porch. And the New Orleans police are convinced this is another attack by the axe man. But the local authorities in Gretna, they don't really listen to the rumours from New Orleans. If okay. the annals of time were to be believed, the investigation by the Gretna police, not so good. Not yeah. so good. They, they kind of traipse through the crime scene. They panel up and they fix the door in the back before That's the really. Bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you make sure no one can get into this house of death. <laughs> they don't really pay heed to it. And they're very much swayed by the rambling accusations of Rosie, the mother. Rosie, after she is treated in hospital, suddenly points the finger at their neighbours oh. as the perpetrators of the crime. New Orleans police going, this really, Are you really sure? seems like the Axeman. <laughs> but the local police are going to go, well, no, no, she's saying yeah. it's these guys. So it's, that's a lot are easier. Are you witness? Yeah, absolutely. She points a finger at elderly neighbour, Orlando. I hope I'm pronouncing <laughs> that right, who was arthritic and nearly blind. <laughs> much like you. <laughs> Harsh, but true. And his son, 18-year-old Frank. Okay, young, yeah. limber, six foot and 200 pounds. Yeah. He ain't squeezing through a door That's panel. That's true. He ain't getting through a door panel. No, 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 no. But she insists it's them. Okay. The police arrest the men. Even though Charles, the husband, says he, they had nothing to do with it. No, I, ne oh, I never God. saw them. What are you talking about? They are charged and they are found guilty oh, of murder. Christ. Frank is set to receive the death penalty. 
mm. his father life in prison until Rosie admits she made it up. Oh, for fuck's sake, Rosie. The attack happened for sure. Oh, yes, definitely. But she took the opportunity, apparently, to blame her neighbours who she was jealous of. To settle a grudge. Oh, for fuck's sake. Now, the men are mm. released, mm. narrowly escaping the handman's noose. But again, we have this persistent theme of the police maybe assigning the old idea of Italian vendettas to clear up this crime. There are claims that Rosie was actually coerced into giving this confession, that she was made to point out her neighbours. She signed a confession even though she couldn't read or write, <laughs> according to some people. The police wanted a nice local resolution to the problem rather than attributing all of this to a serial killer whose very name could cause terror amongst the rest of the county. Yeah. Who are you going to blame? Much, nice. much easier if it's just mad old next door people. But now the city is on high alert with reports of another attack. And this is where the Axeman decides it's time for him to formally introduce himself <laughs> to the citizens of New Orleans. And I think that's high time for a drink break. Oh, yes. Well, we have our drinks, Nick. Mm. Are you steeled and ready for oh, the yes. Axeman's entrance? I'm intrigued. Now, in the most bizarre and possibly thrilling twist to the story, worthy of Jack the Ripper himself. <laughs> and let's come back to that train of thought. Oh, okay. On the 13th of March. Now, some people dispute the date. Every single report I read seemed to say the 13th of March, the 14th of March, the 29th. No, it didn't. It's my birthday. <laughs> the 13th of March. It's almost as if they knew. Mm. The New Orleans Times Picayune. Picayune. Okay. That's how I'm pronouncing it. You go for it. I may be wrong. But the newspaper mm -hmm. received a letter purportedly from the Axeman himself, and it was published in full, and it reads as followed. Dated as sent from hell. That's very familiar. 13th of March, 1919. Esteemed mortal. <laughs> okay. They have never caught me, and they never will. They have never seen me, for I am invisible. Even as the ether that surrounds your earth, I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you New Orleans and your foolish police call the Axeman. <laughs> when I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe besmeared with blood and brains of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. <laughs> if you wish, you may tell police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offence at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty. But tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it were better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the Axeman. I don't think there is any need of such a warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me, as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Orleanians think of me as your most horrible murderer, which I am. <laughs> but I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens, for I am in close relationship with the Angel of Death. Now, <laughs> to be exact, at 12.15, earthly time, 
on next Tuesday night, I am going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I am going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I'm very fond of jazz music. (laughs) And I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared whose home our jazz band is in full swing at the time I have just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going well, then so much the better for the you young people. One thing is certain, and that is that some of your people who do not jazz it out on that specific Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home. I will cease my discourse, hoping that thou wilt publish this, and that it may go well with thee. I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that ever existed, in fact, a realm of fantasy. The Axeman. I mean, that's a pretty good letter, to be honest. It is a good letter. It's a good, good letter. I'll give him that. It's a good letter. I mean, that's enthralling. Yeah. And I like sip that. with a cup of tea and go. Yeah. Now, there are some people who think this might be a hoax. Yeah, yes, I'm sure there are. Some some people some people oh, yeah. who might think this may be an opportunity. Yeah, I mean especially the I mean the from hell thing. It's a it's a bit it's a bit on the nose, really, isn't it? It doesn't say from hell, it says hell though. Uh, well, still it's <laughs> nitpicking. Nitpicking. Yeah, it's it's a bit mm, little we've bit. We've seen maybe. this before, haven't we? <laughs> Not quite as eloquently done, it has to be said. <laughs> as this particular example. But yeah. Yeah, people think it may be a hoax, beautifully written. Beautifully written. That it may have even been a jazz musician named De Villiers. I was going to say, is it some sort of like jazz promoter who's just got loads of bands he needs to get out there? This musician released a record called The Axeman's Jazz. Mm. Released that song that week on record. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is a piece of marketing that I you mean, cannot it, surpass. Absolutely. I mean, that's damn impressive. You're all looking <laughs> out going, how do we get this record to sell? Okay. Now, go with me here, boys. <laughs> There's been a serial killer. How can we capitalize on this yeah. to sell our record? Well, I'll tell you, Nick, it worked. Yeah, well, yeah absolutely. It goddamn worked. If you can't get a record or a band, you are faced with standing on your porch for 12 hours scatting straight. <laughs> Regardless of what we think, on the Tuesday, the 19th of March, when it was decreed in 1919, New Orleans was absolutely shaking with jazz music. <laughs> First of all, I can imagine people being very paranoid about the time. 12.15 on Tuesday night. That's going to have a lot of people arguing about, does he mean 12.15 <laughs> in the morning or in the evening? What one do we do? It's 24 hours jazz. 24 hour jazz. 24 hours. Just to make sure. If you couldn't, if what if you couldn't play an instrument? I mean, it's jazz. No one's going to tell. Well, no, no one knows if you couldn't. Yeah. But then surely you just go to one of the houses that has got a band playing. Well, that's it. You probably are running from house to house yeah. or the music halls. The music halls are absolutely packed. So they hire all the jazz musicians to play. Obviously, there are some houses going, no, I don't believe in any of this. This is bollocks. You're all mad. But loads of houses are like, okay, mm. we'll, we'll, we'll just play whatever jazz we can find. We'll get jazz musicians in. It's New Orleans. There's a lot of jazz musicians around. Pity the poor houses that have got shit musicians in there <laughs> and are improvising. And they're going, actually, this is quite good jazz. <laughs> what if you weren't invited to a party that night? If you were that boring? Oh, dear. No, we'd rather see you axed to death than, <laughs> than have you over for a cocktail. 
you've got everyone in New Orleans in your house yeah. with a jazz band and someone rocks up. I bought my magazines about toy soldiers. You know what? No. Good luck. Good luck with the Axeman. <laughs> but as we said at the beginning, the whole of New Orleans practically is jumping with jazz that night <laughs> people whether they want to believe it or not they're superstitious they want to prevent the axe man from paying them a visit yeah and he appears to have been abated no one was attacked that night not even the people sitting in the homes going no not going to not going to there were there were people who were going yeah. not going to but he can't be everywhere at once apparently well, he didn't even ask one of them no that's just a lack of effort i feel no a few days beforehand before the letter was written he had killed the people across the river mm. At that time, no more murders. Now, there would be three more attacks in 1919 that would be attributed loosely mm. to the Axeman. Killings across the river at Gretna before the letter was sent. That is the traditional canon, and it actually fits quite nicely in with the mythology as well, of kind of like after he sent the letter, he didn't attack anyone because they played jazz. And another Italian grocer was whacked in the head at night in August of 1919. Later on, a 19-year-old girl was attacked in her bed in September. These crimes had similarities to the Axeman's MOs, but there were a few discrepancies, enough to make people go, mm, mm, really, really, there's okay. a few things missing. Maybe he's improvising. The final blow was allegedly dealt to Mike Pepitone that marked the absolute end of anyone's interpretation of what would be the Axeman's reign. And this was on the 27th of October, 1919, when Mike's wife awoke to the sound of a commotion from her husband's room. They had separate rooms. Mm -hmm. She awoke to find a large man in her husband's bedroom. A big guy. It is incorrectly reported that Mike had been struck by an axe. It was a blunt object. He fled the scene, but left Mike's lifeless body on the ground. And the room was positively dripping with blood. Ew. Yeah, even the papers reported that the blood splashed the picture of the Virgin Mary they had on the wall. Oh, God. As I said, he wasn't killed with an axe. Lots of newspapers reported that he was. Yeah. Some even say he was shot. Okay, that's So this is why people think it's a bit weird. Was this actually an axe man yeah. killing or was this genuinely personal beef with someone? There's an urban legend that persists that Mrs. Pepitone, his wife, had hunted down the killer herself. She met a man named Joseph Mumphrey. Now, Mumphrey is a name that's associated with the, mm. the Axeman a lot. But she met him. She thought he'd, he'd killed her husband and she shot him. And she ended the Axeman's reign oh, right. because she hunted him down. It's a lovely story. Yeah. There's very little evidence to stand it yeah, up. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Lovely. Lovely if it were true, but not sure. Indeed. The Axeman never struck again in New Orleans mm. after this point. No one was ever killed in the same MO in the city. There would be crimes that people tried to attribute, but that consistency mm. of those murders that we know being the Axeman was not repeated. Did he die? Was he caught for another crime? Did he simply decide to move on? By 1920, the case was effectively closed yeah. and the police chief in charge, Frank Mooney, resigned, having failed to find the killer. So who was the Axeman? Surprisingly, suspects are few and far between. Mm, there is no one solid, really, from the reports that we could pin suspicion on. So maybe we will never know who the killer really was <laughs> and why he loved jazz so much. <laughs> so much, so much jazz. So that is our take on the Axeman of New Orleans. Oh, it's a good story. 
very good story i do that I mean that letter is awesome i love that letter it's such a good letter it's, it's I mean yeah it's I, it wasn't him i don't think it i don't think it was the killer writing in you don't think it was a killer i don't the letter. think it was the killer writing why not in. you know what um, nick why not why can't it be because it just seems very very over the top it just great oh yeah i'm not denying it's great it's brilliant but it seems like yeah, it just seems entirely over the top and flamboyant. And I mm. think the whole thing about the jazz, you make that sort of threat, then you want to be killing someone who's not playing jazz. And that doesn't happen. As interesting and creepy as it would be to imagine a killer who was so in control of their faculties that they could write mm. a letter that good, but then also lose control of themselves completely and kill people. That's, I don't know what yeah, that is. No. You would think, there would be more signs of ostentation because that's quite an ostentatious move. Absolutely, you you think if someone if it was a killer writer that then the the crime scenes are going to be leaving taunting things to police and mm. they're going to be yeah they're, they're a lot more elaborate and staged and things like that because it, that letter is a performance in its own right. Yeah, and that just doesn't happen. It's the 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 actual crime scenes are very almost functional. Mm. They so sort of get in there. Obviously, the same mo of getting in someone's house through chiseling out a panel in the door or something sneaking in bashing someone slitting their throats if there's a razor and then buggering off again there's nothing yeah. nothing showy or no anything like that about those those crimes you could argue that the crimes themselves are very showy because they're absolutely brutal yeah but you well, I, kill I, I, someone... I think killing anyone with an axe is going to be fairly brutal well that's it well why use the axe yeah. we've spent many episodes saying poison poison that's a better way <laughs> you can't do that on the spot can you really it's no you can um, so well, no we don't we don't have many of those requires cases. a bit more sort of preparation and things it's it's some morbid fascination to think like oh if you did write it mm. that's a whole other area of weird that we'd have to go into yeah but how many people were influenced by jack the ripper exactly. allegedly which was has since been proven yeah. to be a hoax proven to be a hoax absolutely yeah the dear boss letters we still people still oh. go jack the ripper wrote them yeah you choose to ignore the evidence <laughs> and go jack the ripper wrote them this is fascinating there's also i should also add that there's another parallel with jack the ripper because some of the reports say that after the first proper murders in the canon as it were I keep saying canon and all you're thinking is the canon of yeah, death and throwing it. Uh, the Maggio residence, a few a few streets down the road, someone had written in chalk, Mrs. Maggio is going to sit up tonight just like Mrs. Tony. And that is a reference to one of the alleged victims of the cleaver. Right. It's not one of the ones I've covered because, wow. again, it's very tenuous. It's very weird. But someone just after that killing mm. has written something in chalk on a wall referencing the victim... That's a very obscure link. That is that is a very obscure link, absolutely. So is this so. person completely inspired by Jack the Ripper and is writing things in chalk or are other people going, hey, oh my God, there's been a murder. Quickly, write something in chalk, <laughs> write something in chalk. Oh my God, people are going to think it's Jack the Ripper. It's a weird one. It is a weird one. It is a weird one. And you can't talk about the Axemen of New Orleans without referencing all the other well absolutely that whole sort of yeah i mean across the country there was that space of over like 10 years Mm. of those those acts you mentioned them right at the very beginning Mm. yeah i mean there there are theories that they are in all linked they're all committed by the same person who's Mm. just riding along on a train with an axe out the window just like (laughs) cleaving heads as he goes um i know there's the the book of the man on the train yeah the book of the man yeah the man from the train absolutely which which we've mentioned Mm. before but you've Um, got clementine 
you've got the Villisca Axe Murders. Villisca Axe Murders were in Iowa, which is quite far away. It's a bit of a trek. But... I think Clementine is a closer link yep. because that's weird. That that whole story is weird. It's a great, great, great story. It's a great, it's a great story. It's on, it's on Patreon, that one, isn't it? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great it's, story. It's a great story. It's a bit more, it's a bit more culty, which is, which is always fun. It's a good one to all listen together because you kind of go, <laughs> okay, let's get Clementine and let's get Villisca. And the axe man. What the hell is going on? <laughs> Why so many axe murders at once? Why so many unsolved mm. random axe murders? Are we being selective? Were there axe murders every single year for the next 20 years and that we don't count? But it, it just is a bit... The there does MO seem to be that, that spate of them there, isn't it? It's very unsettling. Mm. And I'm sure there are many, many other murderers. Non-axy persuasions. But these, <laughs> <laughs> these are the ones that really stick in people's minds, aren't they? In terms of who the Axeman could be, I don't think that this is a series of unrelated murders. It does seem like it's one person. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, the absolute. The the I I agree. The mo of that's that sneaking in, especially that getting yeah hacking out a panel in the back of the door or something mm. like that. That is a very specific style. No, I would agree that these see very much seem like they are carried out by the same the same person. Someone um, who was prejudiced against Italian grocers. Have you got a Polish chap in there? A grocer, um, though. Yeah. Still, still a grocer, so I, mean, I can't get my vegetable point. Maybe, um, it is, maybe it is just immigrants who are doing well. Yeah, because is it, they're, is they're, it they're just... successful people. They're not working class yeah. people. Is it, is it uh, yeah, an anti-immigration thing? It's too mysterious and I don't like it. <laughs> I like want an answer. A, exactly. We'd like there to be an answer. Someone gets hanged. All is well. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have to have a whole debate over whether he should have been hanged or not. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have been hanged. No, um. yeah. There, there is a name that is linked to various suspects that some people may be <laughs> writing about or thinking of. And this this name, Mumfrey, uh, that I referenced in yes, the yes. folklore about the, the, the last surviving wife of a victim. People claiming that this guy, Mumfrey, he has many aliases. There was a guy living in New Orleans who had a criminal record. But then it gets very convoluted in that he was working for the mafia, that he was carrying out vendettas and that he was carrying out killings for hire, but also that he had gone rogue. It's very... It, it does seem like people have said words and then shoved them into a case file <laughs> and went, there we go. There we go. And just like, oh, mean. you guys must have a vendetta against each other. Dude, seriously. This actually, this actually means something here. It means something <laughs> and it's not funny. But yeah, clearly the person who perpetrated this had a problem. Had an I'll, I'll agree with you on that one. But it made people listen to jazz, which some people would say is the greatest poison <laughs> of them all. <laughs> Someone just going, you know what? You need to bloody open your if eyes. If I had an axe to my head, then I would. <laughs> Well, what do you think, people? The Axeman of New Orleans, a story that has been covered by so many podcasts and has appeared in so many great TV programs and so many books and made an appearance in American oh, yeah. Horror Story. Oh, yeah, in Coven, absolutely. He's in a Coven. great Axeman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very good. In several books, I will always recommend The Axeman's Jazz by Ray Celestine. That is a fictionalized account of that. It's a Great book. I love those books. They are they are really, really good. I really enjoyed that one. So do look at that. Have you got other recommendations where the Axeman has made an appearance, whether in film or book or game or dream function? Go ahead. Yes. Jump on the comments of wherever you listen to this episode and talk to us on social media about what your theories are around the Axeman. Do you think we were way off in trying to attribute him various crimes to him or do you think it was one person was it the president i don't know probably not that to be honest no probably not probably not but it could can't be for sure but probably not was it the devil himself probably not did the devil creep in was it a demon <laughs> yes demon no demon. that's with a d on the end of it 
Do you think there's a supernatural edge to the accident no, of New Orleans? No, no one has thought that. I think a few people have thought that. Nope. Lead into it. Nope, nope. Well, you guys can send me your spooky stories. I love them. And most importantly, when listening to this episode and musing about what could be the outcome, mix yourself up. Sazerac. Oh, do it. It's marvellous. It's delicious. Really so very, very tasty. Yeah, the recipe will be out this evening. Make one. It's great. <laughs> just just make one. You lost for words. Um, they're lovely. They're lovely. They're lovely. lovely, they're, lovely. Things are a classic for a reason. And if you don't have absinthe, it's okay without the rinse? I'll go and buy some. <laughs> it's much better with, but no, you can do without. You can do without. It'll be a half-life. <laughs> It'll be a sad, sad, sad thing, but go for it. Mix up your cocktails. Send us pictures of the cocktails you are drinking this weekend and your other suggestions of wonderful drinks to enjoy with your favourite podcast and tell everyone you know about The Poisonous Cabinet and also join us on Patreon. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside The Poisonous Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. Bye.